Hey guys, my name is Yael Feiner and this is My Climate, where I talk to regular people who found their own small way to make a difference. Ulrich thought she knew what her life and career were going to look like until one day she woke up and it all seems meaningless. What she cares about shifted literally overnight. Since then, she has tirelessly looking for a formula that will inspire action, build connection, and bypass the indifference towards nature, climate, and animals. So, after the short meditation, you said, why there is such a strong pull to help the planet? So, back to you. <laughs> <laughs> so I have been trying to figure this out journal about it talk to my friends about it talk to my partner about it ask my mother about it you know it was it something that was apparent from a young age what was I like when I was young it seems I'm set now so stuck in this personality I don't know what I was before it <laughs> right. this um personality of caring so much about our ecosystems about the animals the health of the water you know just I take it all deeply personally yeah. it's not about what's happening in Brazil is happening in Brazil what's happening in the UK is happening in the UK it's it's all one it's all one body <laughs> it's happening to my body and so yeah I've try to delve into trying to understand where that began and I haven't really found any answers <laughs> how long is it like this mm. I the first really strong memory that I have was probably halfway through my my aeronautical engineering degree I was just doing my winter exams and just kind of overnight felt that something wasn't right I wasn't in alignment with the things that I cared about and I remember being on the phone with my mum saying to her that I was going to drop out and she had a, a good word with me and convinced me not to because I was pretty much almost done with my bachelor's degree um, and was there was a course about climate or about how it's affect the earth or how it's polluting the earth that bring this understanding or we did, what brought this? Yes, we did We did do courses on that um, within my degree. About um, pollution? About what? Somewhat, yeah, a yeah, little bit, yeah. very lightly touched on. Um, but I think, <laughs> I think somewhat what comes with many university degrees is uh, several years of heavy partying. <laughs> And, um, yeah, just kind of all those late night chats with your friends and kind of questioning the world and why we're here. And, um, yeah, I, I wonder if maybe it was more to do with that than, than the degree itself. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I just recall pretty much overnight feeling something that I had been interested in from a very young age. Probably the first time I ever went on a plane was when I was about three years old. And I have been obsessed with planes. Oh. <laughs> I was three. Wow. That's a strong pool, if you're talking about strong pools. Yes, yes. And someone convinced me to study 
aeronautical engineering. Wow. And then overnight it turned into an obsession about the environment. <laughs> and I'm still a little bit interested in planes, but not to that level. That that interest has shifted a complete 180 into something different. And I felt like a rug pull. <laughs> You know, I had been working towards this one thing and had a vision of who I wanted to be. And overnight, that vision was gone and I felt so lost. Let's try to go back to this time. Then try to remember yourself half time into the degree. Are you sitting in the table? Is it after a party? Are you waking up in the morning? Is it a question that somebody asked? Is it something that somebody said? It's a movie that you saw together with friends. There is something that triggered that. It's a I think the only thing that I can really put my finger on is experiencing LSD, mushrooms, you know, the power of nature in a very okay. fun and playful way within some of these good times. <laughs> and I guess... In my nature, there's a lot of kind of rebelliousness <laughs> and going against the grain. And so I wanted to test those things. And I guess some of my interaction with altering drugs unlocked something that was there, but I didn't have the access to. So through the DNA psychedelics, you, you realized the connection to nature? What did yes. you discover there? Yeah. I remember having such deep connection to trees. Like I'd just find myself staring at the bark on trees or, you know, grass blades or just feeling so magnetically pulled to the earth. It was like um, like being this lone, you know, lone soul, but then all of a sudden finding that umbilical cord to mother well, it was like it felt like I had found where I belong I have a um, <laughs> <laughs> and I do so anytime I still explore you know mushrooms in a kind of a nice wilderness setting um so do I you feel... need the, the mushrooms to feel that no, not anymore, no. Not anymore, I, so I, now you feel I feel it, it anyway. every day. <laughs> yes. So it's kind of yeah. open a channel and now you're connected, like somebody organized this radio, adjusted yes. it, and now you're in tune. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, I think what does blur that connection is my own anxiety and depression and my mind being chaotic at times, being carried away with the stories that we humans get carried away with you know but sometimes a reset can be nice you know that feeling of deep connection again which kind of tunes everything else out and you're like oh I don't matter so much this is a bigger picture than me yeah, yeah. so does the trees matter yes why in the bigger uh, picture, <laughs> yeah. Like, what did you discover in the psychedelics? What really matters in the uh, journey? Yeah, I. that's a hard question, and I don't know how to put it to words. I just feel so much love in my chest <laughs> for it all, you know. 
yeah, I've been trying to figure this out myself. Why does it matter? Yeah, I don't know. So I'm just thinking out loud that psychedelic can be a controversial topic and maybe not easy f- to understand for some people. And because you're very rational and academic and you like to do research, I wonder if you can say something about what helped you to open up and try something like that. Yes. So I observed my friends for some time, probably about a year, where I was watching them, watching the change in them, observing them while they were having a trip. Um, and the things that they spoke about after, uh, you know, we'd still be out together or, you know, experiencing places together, but I, I would be in a different state of mind. And I got really curious. I felt like, yeah, they were experiencing something really quite magical and I felt that it was safe. I am very kind of head based I love exploring why our minds are the way they are and that was just something that I was curious to experience um, to see if I could challenge my own biases and my kind of rigid definition of who I am <laughs> um, and yeah I, I I think it benefited me personally to have those boundaries and those edges blurred so when the boundaries and the edges blurred blurred and do you feel safer or less safe because we hold on so much on those boundaries and this is who I am and now I know what I'm going to do in my life and I yeah. know what I'm going to study and everything is so fixed and organized like you liked it since you were three and when it happened did it was the right thing for you? I feel that from what I've heard people and how they have described um, like a godly faith or you know, um, feeling the presence of God or whatever. This sounds similar to how I felt safe when I experienced my umbilical cord connection to planet. That felt like a godly presence. It was like I was part of something so much bigger that I couldn't even imagine or understand. And it felt safe. I guess I like look at the blue marble photo from Apollo 17 back in like 1972 this really famous photo from of the planet earth you know you can't look at that and not feel goosebumps you know this is our little blue planet and that's the only thing for a very long time and it makes you kind of realize, oh, <laughs> this is it. This is this is our home. Um, yeah, I have so much love for that blue marble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it sounds very revolutionary to realize that you are connected. And did it help with also depression and anxiety? I feel connected to self. And in isolation, I feel amazing. I go for walks in the forest and I experience the trees. Um, I watch the animals. I feel in alignment 
where the tear happens is now connecting to humans again. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where it becomes apparent that that's where the, some of the depression and anxiety comes. Um, I feel extremely connected to planet, but not very connected to humans <laughs> or humanity. Um, You're not alone yeah. in that, so don't yes. feel bad. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah so let's talk about that mm-hmm. so you have you have your answer for uh, for your why and how mm-hmm. did it start it yep you felt a strong connection and mm-hmm. it's something that nobody can take away from you right now and it's yours yes and it's something you know in your body in your senses and it's not something maybe even you can explain even though you try Right, no. and you want to because you are such a, a rational person, but it's something beyond that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then you start also to, to realize that your interest in what was uh, airplanes be- before for so many years is shifting towards saving that Earth, to connecting to Earth, to, to what? Can you pinpoint I guess I just started becoming becoming aware of how it was all falling apart um, started hearing things started reading things and I yeah I just kind of became aware that oh we are in trouble actually <laughs> um, everything is not just fine you know. And so I started reading books, articles, watching documentaries um, and started slowly researching for myself. And that eventually led down me becoming plant-based um, because I actually, after many years of traveling and I did a lot of hitchhiking, so I would often find myself in random places with locals and um, being invited in for cups of tea and uh, yeah you know locals always wanted to tell you about their home and um, I recall this one guy in New Zealand and uh, he was yeah driving me we were somewhere around Christchurch it was just a short ride but actually we had a really impactful conversation and he was saying how He used to be able to drink out of the creeks around that area, but now they're not even wadeable because they are, have toxic algae blooms. And that's because of there's a heavy agriculture and dairy all throughout that kind of area there on the eastern side of um, New Zealand, around the coast there. And that was, yeah, that was, I, I think, the first time little snippet of information where I was like oh like there's actually foods and lifestyles that we're doing that are causing such harm to our planet like does everyone know this does everyone know what they're consuming you know like I don't I've never thought about it right. and so yeah I just started to explore and And watching I remember watching Gary Yurofsky who's got a famous yeah. video on YouTube and went vegan overnight 
right was it hard like uh, did your family and people around you accept the change i think they saw why i was doing it and they were really like amazed that someone could do it is <laughs> <laughs> it it's possible that it's yeah. possible but they were like oh no but cheese you know <laughs> um like oh that's really good that you can do it like i totally see why you're doing it but i couldn't do it kind of thing hmm. i've always kind of been a bit of a pioneer in my family so yeah always that headstrong first kind of tester of water so yeah i think they kind of just are a bit used to me being like a little bit different <laughs> so that's not a resistance that kind of support yeah support Yeah. I come I come from a, a, a quite a strong female family and they've they're like witches. They're they're amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely where I get some of my special powers from. How does it feel for you when you say I'm doing this and this and this is the reasons and I have strong reason and I have this solid information about what's going on and they say I'm happy for you but I'm not interested. It was never kind of like that. It was um, it was a feeling like they were not able to. They mm. absolutely understood why. I think they understood why before even I said anything. Mm-hmm. But it was a habit that was easy and convenient and normal and natural. And those habits are hard to change. unless you are moved very deeply by something. So they understand you, but they themselves are not deeply moved. That's what you're saying? Yeah, like they have to have that experience. I can't tell them about my experience and expect them to fully understand, you know. And did you try to show them uh, the movies? It's like those videos of Gary Urofsky and yes. other things? Yeah. I have I don't think that they I think they choose not to find out too much mm-hmm. so you show them and they saw and then this as they stop the movie in the middle or something I think they know that the information is there um, but they haven't spent time looking at it you're saying what you think and I still don't quite understand what's really happened. I felt there was resistance and I could only one-sidedly give so much until I kind of felt, oh, okay, they're not ready for it. Okay. You know, I'll keep on communicating about it, but I'm not going to force it on anyone. That's where I got to. I think me personally, anyway, I feel like I have to be the one making decisions about my own life and... Yeah. I understand that people have to have their own experience and own connection to the things that they're doing. And you can, as a parent, say to your child, don't touch that, it's hot. But they will touch it and they'll experience it for themselves. And they won't know it until they do it themselves. How far should we push? Ulrich brings up an interesting dilemma here. Should you talk to your family about climate change or about going vegan once, twice, every time you see them? Should you force them to watch those horror videos? Or should you stop talking with them because their behavior is contrary to your values? 
One way to look at this question is through the lens of effectiveness. What is the most effective way to get your point across? Another way is through the lens of connection. How to keep the relationship alive despite the disagreement in core values. If you push too far, you run the risk of damaging the relationship. But if you avoid the confrontation altogether, you'll miss up the opportunity to make a difference and also risk the relationship. You probably noticed that avoiding one topic usually makes it harder to talk about anything else too. So here is a quick technique that you can use to bring up a quote-unquote closed topic. Step one, acknowledge that you're opening a closed topic. I know you don't really want to talk about this mom, but it's really important to me. Can I ask you one question about that Gary Rovsky video that I sent you? Step two, ask a question about their experience with the intention to learn more about their experience. You only watched a little bit of it. How did it make you feel? Step three, offer empathy and listen deeply with the intention to stay there and hold space for the reflection. I hear you, mom. I can see your point. At this point, the conversation often starts to flow naturally. Do your best to reserve your judgment. Be curious about their experience, point of view, and ideals. Change happens when given a space to reflect deeply. We reflect deeply in safe space. If we can hold this space for them, you are giving them the gift of deep listening, deepening your connection, and making a difference. We wanted to talk about your frustration you're having from talking with people about the climate change. How is it for you now? Sometimes I struggle because there's these stigmas. If you're too overspoken as a woman, you get immediately put into a certain category. And so there's this really fine balance that if you're aware at least how people perceive you and of people's biases, you have to be somewhat soft and not overspoken, but also know your facts and call people out if they've said something incorrect, whether it's about racism or sexism or whatever, you know, having that confidence. So it's like, I think there's still to keep people engaged and on board and not tuning out. Like you still have to be quite calculated in how you come across. I get very inspired and very energetic about the things that I am passionate about, as most people do. And sometimes I've experienced anyway, I'm talking to people about things that I am so interested in and I just see their eyes glaze over. So you're like, okay. <laughs> bite size, bite size, you know, little bits, <laughs> little bits at a time. <laughs> and that's the journey. Work? I think so. Um, I've done both. I've done where I completely disconnect and get angry. Doesn't mm-hmm. work. I've overconnected, overshared, doesn't work. So I'm finding that balance. Can you describe what this doesn't work? Doesn't work to create connection? Doesn't work to create understanding? Doesn't work to what? What did you want it to get from sharing, from talking about that? So both ends, for example, becoming frustrated and angry because I'm actually severing 
that ability to communicate truly from heart that doesn't work it's like if I had been open and communicating about it from the beginning it would have been better but I've been so conscious about how they take it that I have stopped that line of communication so and then feeding it to them all in one big atomic bomb is never a good thing (laughs) you know when you're angry are you connected or not I feel like I am so why do you say I'm not I'm not I'm not a I'm not a good pill to swallow that's for sure (laughs) also Greta Thunberg is not an easy pill to swallow the question is what do you want maybe what is the goal in the conversation I want to ask the right questions that inspires certain thoughts within people so that they can start figuring out what's important to them and stop living in kind of this autopilot mode I want people to feel the beautiful sacred connection that I feel because it's so comforting and I feel like if we're all together in that then we will be okay we just need to find that connection again okay I love it you said two things one I want to communicate from my heart and two I want to inspire them to look deeper and it might be it might seem contradicting but I want to suggest that uh, being angry it is to connect from your heart especially if what you think right now is about the injustice that is happening in the world and communicate from your heart can be communicate anger frustration disappointment grief any other emotions negative or positive the question is is it effective you know no one enjoys from watching Gary Rovsky's horror movies it's not fun it invites you to see something very disturbing but is it making a difference it made for you yes yeah so sometimes interacting with strong ang- anger and frustration can do a very big favor to the person that is apathetic I'm not yeah. saying that you need to do that but just yeah. saying that different people need different interactions and for some people this kind of interaction will be the right thing for them yeah. that will awaken them mm-hmm. seeing a friend of them seeing somebody they care about care that deeply about something and And they start to ask themselves, why I don't care about anything? Yeah, <laughs> why I'm yeah. so apathetic? What's going on? What's wrong with me? It might mm-hmm. not be related to nature right away, but it's, yeah. it's waking you up. Something is wrong, right? Yeah. I want to feel alive like that because when you're angry and passionate, you're alive. Yes. I guess looking at it in a sense that anger is there for some reason. There's probably been scenarios where you've tried to connect with, many 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 times and so it builds up and then it comes out naturally and that's just how it is meant to be <laughs> yeah anger doesn't just come out of nothing there's a reason for emotions to be there and I think this is definitely communicating from the heart definitely fall into this definition maybe not the right kind of inspiration to show when you go to TED talk or uh, but who knows yes. We don't really know. Nothing really works today, right? <laughs> yeah. 
I think it's like TikTok generation. <laughs> no, things doesn't work and things doesn't go through our bullshit. And you're just saying, I want to go through this automated thinking. And I have a strong feeling from talking to you that your passion might be your answer to go through this, <laughs> to penetrate that. Yes. But it might not be what you're looking for in terms of connection and how you come across as a woman. That's exactly it, because sometimes I feel so lonely. <laughs> and that's not a fun way to feel either. So as a human myself, connection and love and affection and acceptance and understanding is what I also seek and what we all seek. So it's playing off those human natures and trying to figure out how best to approach this spreading of my word <laughs> the planet's word <laughs> I think you might be surprised how your passion can be inspiration this is what I have a feeling instead of trying to change yourself and put yourself into a box of a nice woman small fitting into not a stigma and, and those kind of things like be yourself and shining your passion and your greatness, and your wisdom, and all your information that you accumulate since you're three <laughs> might <laughs> be what people need, you know? Yeah. Okay, what do you take? How do you feel, and what do you take? I'm thinking about past interactions, future interactions, and feeling positive, and feeling proud of myself, and feeling like I've always been connected to self, if just sometimes I'm a hard pill to swallow <laughs> and yeah not necessarily feeling bad about it love myself <laughs> yeah we forget that as much as we care for the planet this is as much anger we have this is as much pain and grief we feel if we don't care we don't care and then we are pathetic to everything to ourselves, to life to nature animal loss and extinction Mm. And if we care about those things, we feel that when this is why we're angry. And that just means that we're human. We started this episode with the question, why I care so much? I hope you have your own answer for that. We talked about how to inspire others to think deeper, how to penetrate the automated thinking while keeping the connection and not scaring them away. If that's something you wish for too, you want to ask yourself, how do you inspire others? What is your best way to connect, to make a difference? There is no one formula that fits all. And if you want to learn what is working for you to inspire others for change, let's do another quick exercise. Make a list of the most inspiring conversations you ever had conversation in which you made a difference for others. Now reflect on that. What was special in those conversations that made it different, that made them so effective? What was different in you? I'm eager to learn about your way to inspire others. Please share your reflection with me on my Twitter account. I promise I'll reply to all comments. Thank you for listening to the My Climate Show. Please subscribe to the show's newsletter for a weekly dose of open inspiration. You can reach out to me on Twitter if you have any questions or comment. I'd love to hear what you think.
You can find the link to the newsletter and to my Twitter account in the description of this episode.